So uh, I'm going to share, uh, the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to share a bit of my testimony. I'm going to weave that in and out uh, and try and give some examples. And I'm really going to, I mean, tonight is you know, Trinitarian Balance, the, the role of God, the Holy Spirit in our life. And I'm going to give three uh, major roles. And the first one uh, is regeneration. And that's, that's going to be the one I, I probably hit on the most, is regeneration. This is his greatest role. So, uh, uh, yeah, let me start with, with a bit of who I am. So I'm, I'm, from, I'm from Nacogdoches. I'm a knack rat. If you couldn't tell by my, I've got kind of a mullet going on. And uh, I used to have a really gnarly one. It was great. Uh, but I'm, I'm a knack rat, uh, which means that I went to church. Okay, I went to church. Uh, everybody in Nacogdoches goes to church. There's about 100 churches here, seriously. Uh, there are so many churches. Uh, I'm also, so I'm from Nacogdoches, which means I also did drugs. Uh, so I did drugs and went to church. Uh, I don't know if you guys have experienced this. I, I did this. Uh, it, became a, it was a normal thing. I mean, not that I came to church, you know, on cocaine, but that, you know, it, it, it didn't really matter. It didn't change anything. Went to youth group, went to Sunday night, Sunday morning. Didn't really change anything. So I was, uh, uh, you know, I believed uh, believed in Jesus. You know, I've, I've never met a gangster who didn't believe in Jesus. Not a one. Every single one they got, you know, a cross tattooed on them somewhere, you know. Uh, you know, it's, every, everybody does. Everybody knows who Jesus is. And so uh, I want to talk about that for a second because, uh, you know, here it says, you know, you believe in him, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then uh, it's like, okay, well, I believe in Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've got to tell you that uh, my belief growing up was, uh, I consider it theoretical. Where I believe in Jesus, like, yeah, of course God exists. Of course Jesus exists. Uh, but he really didn't change anything in my life. Uh, not that he didn't do it, but that I didn't let him. And I live my own life. And so uh, a lot of folks that way are here. If you're from Texas, if you're from the Bible Belt area, it's probably that way where you're from as well, where everybody believes in Jesus uh, but goes about their business and God's going to bless you know, their family and their life and their, your education. You're all here to go into school. Uh, and Jesus is going to, he's with you. And so uh, as, a, as opposed to you actually following Jesus and him being your actual Lord, you're still your own Lord and you love Jesus, you love God, thank you. Salvation, that sounds great. I'll take some, you know. Uh, God's got a plan for my life? That's amazing. Yeah, me too. Okay, God wants to bless me? Okay, yeah, sweet. Uh, and then you do your own thing. And so that's what I did too. Uh, but with me, it became uh, real obvious that I wasn't actually a Christian. Uh, and so people here in this town, they also like to call it, uh, uh, like, a, oh, he went through a rebellious stage. They like to say things like that. Oh, he went through a rebellious stage. And I'll have you know that that's not true. Uh, there's actually no such thing where, you know, this young man, he goes to church. Oh, and then he started, he's in a rebellious phase. I want to tell you that it was rebellion from the beginning. It was never like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to go do this now. And, you know, your, your rebellious stage at college. Uh, there's no such thing. Uh, I'm not in a stage. It's always that way. Always, from the beginning, uh, until I did become a Christian. And then I'm no longer in a rebellious phase. Uh, so what I did, my actions become apparent. Uh, so I, I, in high school, I, I started hanging out with folks who used drugs. Uh, and I, I developed uh, depression, uh, chemical depression. And that was a way to, uh, one of the ways to treat it was to feel real good. There's a reason people do drugs. They usually make you feel good. 
uh, unless you're terrible and he wants to use drugs to be popular. Um, but I mean, it was never that way for me. I just wanted to feel so good. Uh, and they did. And then the harder drugs I got into, the better I felt. It made so much sense to me. So much sense. And that's because I was living for me, my life, my things, my business. And so, uh, I mean, that's, that's what I did. And uh, yeah, I was not a Christian. So there's no rebellious face. You don't, if somebody, you know, goes to church, you think they're a Christian at 20 years old, they're a cocaine addict, they're probably actually not a Christian. They revealed who they really are. I revealed who I really was. It's not a rebellious face. It was always rebellion, and it's disguised. And actually, the really difficult part about it here is that, you know, some of you guys are like, you know, you didn't do that. Uh, So there are folks who don't do that, uh, and it's difficult to tell them, like, you know, am I actually like a Christian? Am I like, I didn't move out of this crazy thing. But for me, it was, it was obvious that I wasn't. And I actually got sober. I got clean. Um, my, uh, uh, there's a lot of details. I won't give too many. But I mean, I, my, my best friend died cooking meth. Uh, he was 17. Uh, again, this is in Nacogdoches, by the way. Uh, there's a ton of drugs here. Uh, and it really didn't phase me. And I, I had this cocaine problem. Uh, I was a senior in high school. And then uh, it didn't really phase me. Uh, I had a lot of people uh, selling drugs for me, actually, in different homes. I sold a, sold a lot of uh, weed, uh, regular swag, and then, like, the stuff you make nicknames up for that you sell for ridiculous prices. Uh, and then I sold a, a little bit of cocaine, but I became a cocaine addict. Uh, and then I sold a lot of uh, pharmaceutical pills, Vicodin, uh, Valium, uh, Soma. I don't know if you even know what some of these are. Some of you are like, oh, no, yeah, those. But uh, anyway, so I sold a lot of pharmaceutical drugs. Uh, but then uh, cocaine became my thing, and I loved it. It, was, it felt so good. Um, and I nearly died a couple times on it. Uh, and the, the last time that I nearly had a heart attack uh, on cocaine uh, was two weeks before I graduated high school. And I... Uh, I, uh, I, went and I, went, I went and told my folks, I told a counselor, and then I, I went to rehab. Uh, and I've been clean for, I don't know how many years that is. I've been clean ever since. Um, but, but nothing changed, just so you know. Like, my, my addiction went away, but I was still a broken individual. And Kyle was right when he said I sat on the back row there uh, angry. Uh, not that I was angry with Kyle, uh, but that I was just angry in general. And so everybody thought, and I was like... This guy's so angry. Is he upset with me? And it's like, no, I'm not upset with you. I'm upset with the world. I'm upset with God. I'm upset at my life. Hate my life. Hate it. And all the time, I still believed in Jesus. Still believed in him. Uh, So what's the difference? Uh, And so the first, that leads me into the first part of of the role of the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. God, the Spirit in your life is regeneration. And so uh, I'm actually going to take us through a few different passages. So uh, I don't know if we got them up there. Let's see. The first one is John 15, 26, 27. Do we have those? So... Uh, in Ephesians, this, 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 what I just read, there's a few words that are going to continually come up, uh, like promised, sealed, down payment, uh, and I want to begin to define some of those as I'm going through, as I'm going through this. We're going we're to talk about some of what that means. Uh, growing up, uh, uh, so I went to church, I went to a private Christian school for a while, actually, uh, 
You know, so I learned a lot about Scripture all the time. When this, verse, this particular verse was brought up to me, it was always in reference to uh, eternal security. You know, see here, you know, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You can't lose your salvation. Uh, and that was what was always uh, taught to me. And that can most definitely be inferred from this passage, but that's not what we're talking about. And I actually don't think that's the main point. Uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think it is. Uh, I really want to talk about what it means. Who is the promised Holy Spirit? Uh, Because there's so much more to that. There's so much more to that promise, not just that you're sealed. What does that actually mean to be sealed? And what does that look like? Uh, And I want to talk about that. So uh, John 15 is the first place I'm going to be. Verse 26 and 27. Jesus says, When the Helper comes whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. And then, uh, I'm just going to move this whole thing. kind of echoes. One minute. We're going to keep going. Uh, The rest of the verse is... Uh, in 16, keep going in 16, in verse, verse 4. Uh, I have said these things to you, uh, that when uh, the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask where you are going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come, will not come to you. But if I go away, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So we can see through those verses, he talks about the promised Holy Spirit. So we first define promised Holy Spirit that he's going to come and convict us of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. And that's exactly what happened to me. He begins to convict me, and I know that he's alive, and I know that he's the truth. I'm on this back row coming to cross point. Kyle's preaching, and I'm so frustrated, and I can feel that everything is supposed to change, and I don't want it to. I do not want it to. I want to fight back because it means I begin to lose myself if I do that. I want to fight it so badly. And he is convicting that. He's his first role is to convict me to believe in the first place, to give me faith. That is the beginning. And that's what happened. It happened one day. Uh, not at Cross Point. I was just down in the, the apartments behind uh, Pizza Hut on North Street. And, man, I was just weeping in my bed. And I just, I gave up. It was done. That was it. 
uh, I became a Christian at that point. And I just, I just threw my hands up and said, I surrendered. I was done. And then, you know, I said, I told him I didn't want to fight him anymore. And I became a Christian. I actually became one and started following him. And then I started going to community group as well here. I started getting involved at the church here. More, anyways. Uh, let me... Let me read you a, uh, another, another verse. So there's like, there's like so many verses about the Holy Spirit, his role, and I'm really trying to narrow this down. Um, so uh, we're going to go to Ezekiel, not Genesis, don't worry. Not, you know. We're going to Ezekiel 37. Well, we may, we may go to Genesis, you never know. I can't say that. So uh, let me read this to you. This is called the Valley of Dry Bones. This is a vision that Ezekiel, the prophet, receives. Uh, he's like taken in the spirit. He's seeing crazy stuff. The Lord's speaking to him, uh, and it's incredible. I'm going to read the first seven, uh, 14 verses. Some of you guys have maybe heard this before. Uh, it's, it's pretty powerful. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. I mean, that's that's a good answer. I don't know, you know. Uh, Verse 4, Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, which breath is also a similar word to spirit. It can be interchanged. I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, There was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together. That's that's freaky. That's crazy. The the bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as that, that they may live. So, so, I, excuse me, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Because they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost, we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. And that, that is regeneration. That is being sealed 
with the Holy Spirit. That is me, dead, dead in this city, then being filled and brought to life. That is a picture of regeneration, where all, all of us were dry bones, all of us, all of us, and then he breathes life into us, and we're coming together, bone to bone, skin, flesh, fills us with a spirit. That is him bringing us alive. That is what regeneration does. That is the role of the Holy Spirit to convict you, to believe, and then fill you, fill you with his presence. Fill you with himself, with life, to bring you together, to give you new life. That's what he does. It's his nature. It's his nature is to build and create life. That is what he does for you. That's what he does. So, so I, uh, that, I got saved, and, uh, and you know, I, muddle, I muddled through a lot of things. Uh, and I began to have faith, and I began to, to love the Lord, and I began to, uh, began to seek him, uh, become open with my problems, with my issues in the community group. Uh, and these guys had something uh, different, though, also that I didn't have. Um, they, were, they would talk about Jesus like they loved him so much, so much. And it, in my mind, I was like, wow, you guys are like, what are you, you're, you, you talk about Jesus like he's your girlfriend. Uh, I'm serious, they did. And I thought it was a bit weird because in my mind, I'm like, okay, Jesus died for me. I believe it. My sin is covered. I love that. I, I love you for that. I love you, God. Thank you. That, that's awesome. And I'm like, but these guys are talking like, kind of weird, like romantic about Jesus. Uh, and I began to seek that too. I was like, man, I want to know Jesus like that. And it happened. It happened. Let me, uh, let's go to, uh, let's go to Galatians. It's right before Ephesians. Let me read, uh, we're in chapter, chapter 5, verse 16. I'm going to read a few verses there. And so this is Paul writing to the Galatians. He says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. By the way, those are, those are all the opposite of me. Those are the opposite of my nature. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So I began to ask for this. I saw I was saved, I believed, I trusted, and I saw that there was so much more in this regeneration 
that I could have these things, that I could love Jesus differently, that I could love everyone differently. Everyone. And I began to pray for her. Pray for that, that I would love Jesus like these guys I see. I'm like, but you love Jesus like that? And I began to pray for that, and it happened. Except this, Jesus isn't my girlfriend. I'm, I'm his fiance. I'm, I'm going to be his, his bride, is what I discovered. That's what I found out. And I love him. And it is that way. I'm going to be married to him soon. Those who are his, he's going to collect the, the bride of Christ, his church. And that's, that's me. And I love him that way. And that's, that's something that changed. It didn't happen. And it didn't even happen in a couple of years. It took, it took years for that to begin to happen in me. That, I would, that life would grow. And it is a continual process that I ask for daily. Daily. That I would love Christ more, know him better, and that these things would become who I am. Patience, not me. I, I hate waiting in line. You know? And that's not even... That's not even the beginning of what patience is. Patience with others. Self-control? Not me. No way. Joy? I was, I was so angry. God was right to be afraid of me. I looked real upset, you know? And I've got joy. Well, well I still look a little angry sometimes. But I, I do. It's, it's in me. It's like I can't even control it. I keep asking for it, and he keeps supernaturally providing it for me. And it's not me. Those things aren't me. That's something that has been generated in me by the Spirit. That is His role. That is what He does in our life. And so, that's, that's it. That's what He does. That's what He does. Um, I know some of you are maybe disconnected through that. And you're like, okay, but I, I don't really feel what you feel. And that's, that's okay. That's something you need to pray for. That's what I'm trying to say is that that is something that has to be sought after. And that is something that will be given. Because that's what he does. If you seek the Spirit to do that in you, it will happen. It will happen. It's what he does. We just read it. That's his nature. Is to do that in you. Alright. So, we're going to go on to the next... The next... Uh, the next theme, the next role of the Holy Spirit. So the next, the, the first one is regeneration. First one's regeneration. And the next one is equipping, is empowering. And this is going to be, uh, this is going to be more of the sticky part. Sticky part, because uh, just like uh, in the beginning, my, my understanding of Jesus, my belief in Jesus was theoretical, uh, the same way, it was the same way with evangelism, being on mission, the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, in community group, those were theoretical discussions uh, for a long time, for a long time. And so uh, bear with me through this. So this is, uh, you know, the empowering, the clothing of power, being equipped and prepared uh, to share the gospel, something that I'm new at, that I've been walking in in, in only a few years I, uh, so let me, let me tell you some about it for, for me, for my experience. So I, I went on the, the first uh, uh, cross-point mission trip to San Francisco, to City Impact. Um, and God, man, uh, it was amazing. And I, I was actually in college at the time. Uh, but I could feel I, the Lord telling me, the Spirit telling me that I needed to move to San Francisco. 
Uh, and it just compounded daily until the end of the week. I was talking with Christian Wong, who's the executive director, and I was like, man, I gotta come. I'm supposed to do this. Spirit wants me to move here. And so I came here. I finished the 15 hours that I was doing, and then I, I sold my stuff and put some in storage and then moved. I moved. Uh, and I gotta tell you that uh, I did not... Uh, I did, the experiences that I had there, I never had here. I've seen the Spirit move there on mission in a different way. And it's not that he's not here. It's that I was really almost never on mission. Uh, rarely did I share the gospel. With a few people, I shared the gospel in this city. I, I did with some. I tried to go on campus and do it with some. And other people I connected with, I'd meet at Java Jacks and share with them. And that was, that was excellent. And then it was very different in San Francisco. Uh, very different. So let me, uh, let me read a few verses for you. Uh, let me read a few verses. Uh, I want to actually go to the Old Testament first. This is, again, the prom. We're looking at what is the promised Holy Spirit. I'm going to go to Joel. Uh, it's after Ezekiel. Joel 2. Uh, and I'm just going to read a couple verses. And this is uh, Joel 2, 28. Uh, uh, this is the, the prophet Joel speaking. He's, uh, actually, this is the Lord speaking through him. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. So we have this promise in the Old Testament that the spirit will come and pour out his power on those who are his. Let me, uh, let's flash forward to, uh, let's go, let's go to uh, Luke 24. I know I've got you all over the place. Don't feel like you have to go over the, all over the place. You can also just listen if you want. Uh, Luke 24. Uh, this is Jesus talking, and this is after he's resurrected, and t- he's talking with the disciples. I'll start in verse four, for 44. He says, these are my words that I spoke with you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their mind to understand the scriptures, which is, wow, these guys know the scriptures. They've been reading it for a long time. And then he opens their mind to understand it. Uh, And then he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. I want to go to... uh, Acts chapter, chapter 1. Let me read this is one verse. This is Jesus again talking to him before he ascends. He says, uh, uh, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all the earth. And if you've read Acts, and we're going to go into it in a bit, that happens. So there's this promise in Joel that the Spirit's going to come and empower. And then Jesus says the same, that the Spirit's going to come and empower. And then here he tells them to wait. Wait for it. Don't go out without me. 
Wait. Wait for him. And then you're going to be my witnesses. So the next thing, the next role of the Holy Spirit is to empower you to witness. And if there was disconnect before about like regeneration, I'm like, man, I'm not really feeling that. There may be even more in this. And again, this is, this is something, I don't know how everybody feels about it, but it's my personal experience that the Spirit gives gifts, and He gives them to build us up, to build up the body of His church, and to witness. And that's what we see in Acts, and that's what I saw in San Francisco for the first time ever. I was with this group of pastors who were crazy, who were praying for people. People got healed, and they freaked out. People who were like bent over, and we're in this tenderloin is what it's called, and it's like everybody's on drugs that you meet on the street. It's just a crazy place. So he's like bent over, and this pastor prays, and she's like, boom, like her back is healed. And then she freaks out. It's like, get away from me. And your prophets, and like she like scurries away. Uh, like, and that would have, people would hide in the buildings. Not everybody, but there were people who would hide who'd be like, you guys come around and then like, I can't do drugs. Like I can't do it anymore. And they're, they're upset and they want to use drugs. And so they run away from it. Uh, and I, I, I got to tell you that uh, there are folks uh, who de- would de- we would debate and, and now there is no debate for me anymore. What I have seen happen with my own eyes and even some by my own hands, I can't deny it. There's no debate. What I've seen happen uh, is just no way. And it never happened until I began to go out and share the gospel with people. Until I began to go on mission, to be a witness. Is what, that's the context Jesus gives, to be a witness. To be a witness. And I've just seen crazy things. Uh, and, and it was weird. It, it really was. Uh, and it's something that I'm growing in. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example. Um, I was, uh, so I'm in the Tenderloin, I'm in our church praying, uh, and the Lord tells me that a guy named Travis Cox is supposed to be in San Francisco this coming summer. And uh, some of you might know Travis, uh, maybe you do, maybe you don't. He actually has organized Adopt a Building, uh, which is something we had in San Francisco. And he's now, uh, he's the, he is the operator, he's the director for Adopt a Building in this city. Uh, and so, uh, I, just so you know, I had hung out with Travis one time, one time, and it was so weird. I'm like, what? I don't even know Travis. I don't even know him. And then uh, because we were friends, we've, we've hung out one time. That means we get to be Facebook friends. Uh, so, so we were on Facebook, and I'll tell you something that I did that I should not have done. I didn't say a thing to Travis. I said, no, this is crazy. Like, this is, this is weird. Uh, this is uncanny. This is, this is a mis- no, no way. No way. I'm not going to send that weird message. And then I, I postponed it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And then I waited. And then two weeks later, we're Facebook friends. Message comes up, and Travis has, is now going to, he's now going to uh, Ecuador to be on mission in the summer. And I'm like, oh, no, you're supposed to be in San Francisco. And, uh, and I, I knew right then that I had been incredibly disobedient. Uh, that I hadn't presented that to him. And so I did. I, I was that weirdo. And I, I messaged him on Facebook and I said, man, uh, uh, I sent this message saying, I, just, I feel like the Lord told me that you should be in San Francisco this summer. Uh, and uh, you know, it's a great program. I think it would be great. Uh, I think you could grow online. It could be a good thing for you. I have no idea. This could be me being a weirdo or... Uh, feel free to ignore it. Go to Ecuador. I just felt like, you know, just pray about it. That's what I told him. And so he did. 
he prayed about it. And he messaged me back and said, he's like, I'm coming. I was like, I was like, what? You're actually coming. Uh, I know it. We're good friends now. But uh, he came. He came. And uh, I, I, I couldn't believe it. And, and this isn't something that is normal in my life. This doesn't normally happen. But I, it did. It did that time. And then now Travis is married. He met his wife in California. He's now here doing Adopt a Building. And I'm like, man, if I had been disobedient, he would have never even like, met his wife. Like, what? Like, I can't believe I would do that. And it's, it's sin for me to not do that. Um, and I know that this is kind of a weird topic, uh, at least this part is, but it would be sin for me to not tell you about this, for me to tell you that the Holy Spirit regenerates you and then not tell you that he can empower you to share the gospel. And that's getting into what that looks like. We'll do a little bit here. and We'll, we'll do that by just reading Acts. That's what we'll do. But, but it, it would be irresponsible of me. An elder uh, came to the office this week and prayed over me and Terrell, and one of the things he said is that we would, we would be accountable, that we would, uh, we, would, we would be able to present you and say, yeah, like we said, we shared everything. We shared everything. And I think it would be irresponsible for me to say that the Holy Spirit's role, one of them, is to empower you to share the gospel, to build the church, to build his bride. That is a role that he plays. It is a key role he plays. And again, I never experienced it until I actually started trying to share the gospel with people. That's the only time. Only time. Other than that, I'm sitting on a couch and we were just talking about it. I began to do it and I began to see it and experience it. All right, let me, let me keep going in Acts. So the, just so you know, we're, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 for a second. Um, because I, I've been telling you about my experience, but I want to tell you this experience in case you haven't seen this before. Um, so, so Pentecost happens. What Jesus promised them happened. Surprise. Uh, they get filled with the Spirit. The Spirit fills them, and then they go out uh, into the city, and they start sharing the gospel with people in, uh, in, in the, these folks' own languages, in foreign languages. Uh, and it's crazy. And then Peter starts to preach. He's empowered to preach. It's a gift. It's a gift from God, from the Spirit. He begins to preach. Uh, for, verse, uh, verse 17, I'll read just a few verses. He begins to preach, and this is the first thing he says. He says, in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on your male and female servants, in those days I'll pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. If you, you maybe weren't listening earlier, maybe zoned out, but that's Joel. The first words out of Peter's mouth on the day of Pentecost to begin preaching is this promise, this promised Holy Spirit promised to us. It's what Paul says you have, this promised Holy Spirit who's your mark, who's your seal. And we begin to, to see that. And they, they begin to evangelize and then the Spirit moves and like thousands of people are saved. First day, a lot of good work. He goes, he did it. Um, Thousands are saved. Thousands. So, uh, something I want to say, I meant to say earlier, is that 
But as the Spirit works in you, your old nature, your old self, grows dimmer and dimmer. And in turn, this life becomes less and less about us. And I've seen that firsthand. It's been happening in me. Things I just care less and less about uh, that are of this world, they just don't matter anymore. They're so useless. And then, uh, you know, I, as I could see like, I'm, like myself becoming less and less and caring less and less about me and more about what God wants to have happen. What's my role? What I'm supposed to do here? And then I've been brought here. Like this is it's where it's brought me. Uh, and that's what I begin to care about. Those things matter less and less. I want to read uh, one more account from Acts. We're going to be Acts, uh, where are we at? Let's see. Acts chapter 7. We're going to go, we're going to skip up to 7. So 7 is, uh, is Stephen. Stephen is a deacon at the church. And he is, he's in charge of sorting bread and making sure people get food. But he also, in his service, uh, does incredible miracles. He does wonders, is what they say. Uh, and uh, the folks, the, the Jews who are there, are, are upset. Uh, and they, they arrest him. They take him in and they begin to, they, they have a trial. They have people who lie and say that he uh, was blasphemous. And then uh, and they have a trial. And then on his trial, he gives a sermon that they cannot withstand. Uh, they are so upset uh, at him, and they cannot stand him sharing the gospel, sharing the truth. He, he's, verse 51, he says, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised and hardened ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. And let me stop there for a second and tell you that that is me, back row, cross point, always resisting the Holy Spirit. That's what I did. That's what I did. And maybe what some of you, I don't know, maybe some of you guys are doing that too. I don't know if you're coming across point angry and like you're arguing the whole time. Like, that's not true. No, I hate that. Um, uh, and they cannot stand him. They cannot stand him. And he has been empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's his role. And that's what he's done in Stephen. And let, let me pick up in verse 54. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. And he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul, who would be Paul eventually, and then he would write Ephesians. And when they were stoning Stephen, when they are throwing rocks at his body, rocks at his head, they're trying to murder him. They're so ticked off with him. They're so ticked off. They're so upset at the gospel. They were stoning Stephen. He called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. And they purposely use that phrase, fall asleep. I mean, he, he died. He didn't take a nap. He fell, they say fell asleep because he's going to resurrect one day. It's the phrasing used. He's going to resurrect one day. He's going to be resurrected. So this is, this is, this is the, really, I think, the perfect picture 
One of the perfect pictures in Scripture of what the role of the Holy Spirit is. This man has been regenerated and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He is preaching and they cannot stand it. He's saying things that they can't handle. And then they drag him out of the city to start throwing rocks at him. And he has an incredible vision that the Spirit gives him. The heavens open up and he's like, there he is, Jesus. I see Jesus. I'm about to throw rocks at him. And he says, take my spirit. And he doesn't care anymore. He doesn't care. As the Spirit works in us and empowers us, we care less about our view of the world ourselves. We become dimmer and dimmer. And then boom, there it is. He can see Jesus Himself. He's throw the stones at me. Ready to go. Throw the stones. And then He says something incredible. He says, forgive them. Forgive them. These people are throwing stones at His head. Forgive them. I mean, if you drug me out and tried to throw stones at me, I'd probably try and fight back. Forgive them? You, that is not Stephen. That is the Spirit empowering him to forgive, even at his murder. Even at his murder. That is what it's like. That is what it's like. And I know that there's a bit of a disconnect because we're probably not doing that. We're probably not sharing the gospel. And to be in a life-threatening place to share the gospel, we're probably going to have to move to North Korea. But we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that, but that is what it's like. You're at a point where you don't even care. Where you no longer care about these things that are weighing on you that you think are important, that are, they are no longer important. These relationships, degrees, what are you going to do? Money, my football team, my sports team, you know, my car, whatever it is, my payment. And that's not what we're designed to do. That's not, and that's not the, what the Spirit does. He removes those things to the point that you just don't even care. Just... I love you, Jesus. Take my spirit. Throw the stones. Throw the stones at me. I pray that I could get at that point one day. That I could be so empowered that someone could throw stones at me and want to murder me. And I say, yes. That's crazy. That's everything in our life teaches us different. That's crazy. That we would say yes to stones being thrown at our face. That is crazy. That is his role. That is what he does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So, I'm almost finished. I've got, uh, I just want to, this last roll. This last roll is worship. And it's not going to be long. Because we're going to worship is what we're going to do. That is the end of this doxology in Ephesians. These, fir- these 14 verses uh, of praise and adoration that end in the Spirit. Uh, it ends in praise. I got it up here on the front. Yeah. You know, we're, the, the, let's see. Uh, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee or down payment of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. That's how it ends. To the praise of His glory. And so being stamped, being sealed with the Holy Spirit, that's what it looks like. It's a mark. It's a mark that's on you, and it's apparent. And it's obvious in the beginning, I'm, I'm, I'm not actually following Jesus. I'm following my own life. And I'm tearing myself apart when I was a young man. And I've got this whole other mark. I have a mark on me that is from the Holy Spirit. And those are some of His marks. His regeneration, this empower. These are marks from Him. They make it quite apparent, quite obvious. It's fruit. It's quite obvious. 
And, and the, the thing is, uh, a down payment. That's what Paul calls it. This is a down payment. These are things, these two things, regeneration and empowerment, are things you are meant to receive. You are meant to receive these. These are a down payment for your belief. You know, people uh, want to look forward to heaven uh, uh, here. There's, there's, you got, I'm saved, I'm good, and then you're going to go about your business, and I'm going to go in heaven. And really, you've already got this gift that's been given to you that you're supposed to walk in, this spirit that you're supposed to walk in. Freedom, love, joy, peace, patience. God's not interested in changing your circumstances. He's interested in changing your character, who you are, and it is a gift. It is a down payment until one day you receive it in full. You receive it in full and everything will be made new. Everything. This is only the beginning. This communion with God, this change in you, this is only the beginning. It's the down payment. That's what that says. And it's the seal. Because we look at that, I can look at that and say, Man, I've seen you move in my life so much and I know that there's nothing but good things to come. This is just the beginning. This is just the very beginning. And that leads me to worship. Thank God for that regeneration, for that change in me. I'm so glad I have joy. I'm so glad I do. I'm so glad all these things have been changed and it leads me to worship. That's what Paul says. Worship. Worship. That's what it leads us to. Every time. Every time. Every time. Feel the Lord using me in any way. Who am I? Look at me. I'm a Gentile. Look at me. And he uses me. That's an incredible thing. He empowers me. What? He empowers us. That's, what? That is a stamp. That is incredible. That is a gift. That is a down payment. And we will receive much more. Much more. And so tonight, that's what I really wanted to do was try and break out what those roles are of the Holy Spirit and not just talk about being sealed and you're good and uh, eternal security. And, and that could be inferred from here. But there is so much more to this, to this promised Holy Spirit. Are you tapping into that, to this promise that is to you? You've not just been promised salvation. You've been promised incredible gifts, even while you're here on earth, just the very first fruits of them, the very beginning of them. So, you've been stamped. You've been stamped. And he leads us to worship. This leads us to worship. And I got one thing for you. I got one thing. Uh, I was talking with some guys earlier who were, who were struggling with, uh, they were feeling dry in their quiet time. And I asked them, and I feel like uh, the response is a little bit similar to what I did growing up when I did a quiet time, which was I read the Bible which is an excellent thing. But if you've only got half an hour in a day, which some of you, you maybe don't devote, but if you've got just half an hour, and you should spend it in prayer. You should spend it in prayer first. Put, a few, put Hillsong on or uh, United Pursuit or something and just for half an hour and just, just, let, just, let the, just listen. Listen to the Spirit. Worship. Spend time worshiping and praying. Uh, another thing that the elder prayed, or one of the things he said during the week was, was how uh, church isn't meant to be the only place where we find freedom. I know we come in here and we worship and we release this baggage that's on us, and it's not meant to be that way. It's a good thing, do it, but it's meant to be something you walk in daily. 
Are you worshiping daily? Let me ask you that. Are you worshiping daily? That's what it needs to lead you in. If anything changes, if there's anything you walk away with, it's that you need to pray more and seek the Spirit. You need to seek these things. Regeneration can happen. Empowerment can happen. You need to seek these things. And for many of us, the first thing we need, we need regeneration. That's the first step. We've got so much to work on. So much. So much that he wants to do to you.